You know, they say that all promos are created equal. Just wait. Just like the Sharky's face to see how point with that. That's all I needed. We're not going to cut this into the infamous math equation that is Scott Steiner's promo <laughs> of you have a 50-50 shot. If then you throw Kurt Angle, you're a 33 and 3% shot of winning. But Kurt Angle doesn't matter. Kurt so that gives me that 66, 6.66% chance of winning. And when you add that to my 50%, I got a 116% chance of winning. And I'm like, that's not how fractions work. <laughs> like, the numbers don't lie. And that spells the Without Context podcast. The whole... The whole Scott Steiner promo is still like funny to watch because he's so intense, but I'm like, this isn't how math works. <laughs> like numbers don't work like this. Who gave him a microphone? <laughs> so. Scott Steiner with a live microphone is an accident waiting to happen. It is. And with that, and... hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Without Context Podcast. We are on the 30th episode. Woo, we made it. We are. Um, and uh, this is I and... think the first episode back in two weeks since we've had a couple of hell weeks. Yeah, um, you just string them along sometimes, and they uh, conflicting yeah. schedules, illnesses. I lost internet for a day that we were trying to record, so it's just been like one thing after another. And we were going to talk about uh, turning red and Encanto for kind of like a representation in media part two, uh, but Alvin, I think, wants to be involved in that. So when we can get him in, we can we're uh, in there. Everybody else has seen it. I have only seen Encanto, and I loved it. But also, Haley's a little sick today, so she's just kind of vibing while me and Jeremy talk about wrestling. Yeah, I just want—I want both of you to know because I'm sure anyone who's watching us on YouTube could see on my face that I had absolutely no <laughs> idea what you guys are talking about for that entire cold open. I'm just like, I was—I was looking directly at you when I was doing it. Don't worry. <laughs> I want to bring it up. Let me bring it up. I have the transcript, actually. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. yeah we're talking about just, wrestling. We, we were, yes. talk, we're talking about wrestling. Uh, WrestleMania happened over the weekend, so we're going to have some thoughts about that and just general wrestling we'll stuff. But since Haley has never heard this promo, I'm going to have Jeremy here read it off the transcript, and you can tell me, Haley, what do you think this man's talking about? <laughs> so. Okay, so I'm not going to give her context. Then. Okay, never mind. No, don't don't give me any sort of context. There's, that goes against the spirit this, this of the podcast. Is, context makes it worse. This is... Like, this is a, this is this is a genius article, by the way. They put this on genius, <laughs> where people go to have like lyrics. <clears throat> so, anyway. oh my god, yeah. Right. Uh, you know they say all men are created equal, but you look at me, you look at Samoa Joe, you can see that statement is not true. See, normally if you go on one on one with another wrestler, you got a fifty fifty shot at winning. But I'm a genetic freak, and I'm not normal. So you got a 25% at best chance to beat me. Then you add Kurt Angle to the mix. Your, your chances of winning drastic go down. See, the three-way I'd sacrifice, you got a 33 and a third percent chance of winning. But I, I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning because Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me. He's not even going to try. So Samoa Joe, you take your 33 and a third chance minus my 25% chance, and you got an eight and one-third chance of winning at sacrifice. But then you take my 75% chance of winning if we were to go one-on-one -on -one, and then add my 66 and two-thirds percent. I got 141 two-third chance of winning at sacrifice. See, Joe, the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you at sacrifice. <laughs> and I was like, this is going to be historic. Like, this is just going to be, like, the example of a what-the-fuck promo. <laughs> I'm like, this man, I'm like, this man has no idea what he's talking about. 
he just rambled and he came up with this. He knew the math. I'll give him that. I was going to say. Checked out. The math say, checks the out. Math, the math definitely did it for me. The fact that, like, <laughs> I, I have discount. Like, I have that thing where, like, it's, like, dyslexia but with numbers. So as soon as people start okay. saying numbers to me, like, my eyeballs glaze over. <laughs> but everything else going on in that series of what I'm guessing is sentences uh-huh. was so chaotic that I had to keep paying attention. So I felt like I was having a stroke or like my brain was splitting into two. Cause like part of me was like, Oh, math. I don't even want to think about numbers for the rest of my life. And at the same time, I know we've talked about Samoa Joe before, <laughs> but that was the first thing that jumped out at me was like, but you've told me that that's an okay thing to, for that person to be called. Yes. I've had that's, questions about that's that literally before. his name. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what he was supposed to be promoting other than the fact that he thought he was going to whomever this person is who i don't even remember his name yeah <laughs> uh i love wrestling without going context. to be to someone named <laughs> samoa joe uh-huh but i have exactly i i, I that yeah. was certainly something was conveyed to me and the only thing that i remember about it was like Samoa Joe. <laughs> now, now the way the way I was delivering it was like one percent of the intensity that 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 he has. He is very much more it. yelly and muscly, and he has another muscly guy behind him as he's doing the promo. No, that, I, don't, uh, I don't like being yelled at. Yeah, that promo is fourteen years old. <laughs> yes, it is. Like that happened fourteen years ago. That is how indelible it is to wrestling. I was going to say, that reads like it could have happened last week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um... Oh yeah, it's... The, the studying lack of math literacy reads like 2022. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um... is one of, like, the classic, like, infamous promos that uh, exist in wrestling. Like, there's been some bad promos, and people who, like, can't deliver, like, long promos in a way that's believable, but, like, that one is, like, just, like, perfection of how dumb it is. It's, it's <laughs> actually, like, art. It's actually art. It's art. <laughs> oh, that it's, man like, just so got... bad it circles around to being good again. That man just got put into the WWE Hall of Fame this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> like... he did. Well, with his brother. With his brother, yeah, as the Steiners. Which is hilarious, because they never wrestled as a tag team in WWE. Because only in WCW, because oh. uh, Rick left wrestling after that. Mm. That's why Scott came in as a big Papa Pump with his obviously steroided up body. <laughs> like that man has been, yeah, that man is absolutely like. I mean, he's misshapen. <laughs> like, <laughs> if if our wonderful listeners at home couldn't tell, uh, Sharky and Decca are big wrestling fans, and I have never watched a wrestling in my life. Um, to the me, wrestling. it feels it feels loud and chaotic, and there's a lot of, like, large, muscular men, which make me deeply uncomfortable as a, like, small, weak person. <laughs> so they're going to talk about wrestling things, and I will occasionally interject with a genuine question that I have about wrestling and, like, the sport or art of wrestling and I just want to preface that all these questions are like being asked out of like genuine curiosity. Like I'm not trying to flame wrestling or like anyone who's a fan of it. I genuinely like 
the extent of my wrestling knowledge is the fact that you can have, um, and now his name escapes me, that one wrestler be a dragon in Skyrim where he's like, snap into a Slim Jim, yeah! Macho Man. Dragons in Skyrim. <laughs> Macho, Macho Man, Man yeah. Randy Savage. And that is the extent of my wrestling understanding. <laughs> Everybody knows, in a household name, they know Hulk Hogan, and they know Macho mm-hmm. Man. Like, those are, I think, the two that really transcended. And if you know, you know, Princess Bride, you know Andre the Giant. Like, he was the big he was, guy. He was, uh, Fezzik was his name, right? Yeah. They're like, there are some wrestlers that are household names. Not as so much as today, but definitely back in, like, the 80s. John Cena was Fred's dad, yeah. And then John Cena and The Rock, who broke into, like, mainstream, like, movie thing. Because technically all wrestling is, is that it's varsity theater. Yeah, that was going to be my first question, and this if is you, coming if, from. Go ahead. If you think about it less as like muscly guys like punching each other, you think about it more in the sense of like uh, when you think about theater. Um, I think you'll get more enjoyment out of wrestling it's, in general. It's jocks do theater, like that's yeah. all it is. <laughs> so that that leads perfectly into my first question. So. With wrestling, like the joke is that like they plan who wins, yeah, what fights and when. Is it true that it's like all entirely scripted? So, or is there, st- or is there still like genuine like we just want these two people to fight each other and whoever's the better person in that moment wins? So it comes down to the company a lot of the time. Um, back in the eighties, they really had the sense of realism because there wasn't a way to find out things. Like there is nowadays, you didn't have the internet, you didn't have uh, anybody talking about shows from different territories, which is what they were called in the 80s. There was a like a southern territory where one promoter would run his guys, and then there'd be a northern territory where another guy would run his company, and people would go to and from and all that. But you never know the result because people didn't have a way to get that information out to a wider audience. And so everything, yeah, everything was based on more legitimacy like it, they acted their parts in their real life also so it's like if you were a heel who's the bad guy you know you'd be a complete dick to everybody inside the arena outside the arena whenever you had public eyes on you like you lived the character you got death threats regularly and yeah there was a bunch of times where people tried to stab heels and all this other stuff like southern wrestling in the 80s was absurd <laughs> Um, well, you just had to say Southern, and then I understood. Yeah, seventies, yeah, seventies and eighties, like being a bad guy and doing the wrong thing, or doing like the wrong thing to the wrong baby face in the wrong crowd. Like people would try to kill you because they believed it was all real. Good guys, they believed it was all real. They believed like you were really this piece of shit beating up their hometown hero. So, and I mean, there was a I think in the sixties, fifties or sixties. Um, a Russian took the world title off of somebody. I don't remember who. I think it was Billy Graham. But Madison Square Garden almost broke out in a riot because of it, because they thought that a Russian had they beat this Volkov? American hero. I think so. It, it was, had to have been Volkov, because he was like one I of think, the only ones in the 80s. It was, well, this was back in like the 50s, 60s. Oh, okay. So, but like, Madison Square Garden was like about to break out in a riot. They had to rush him out with the title. <laughs> so... Um. But, that doesn't um, happen as often in the modern time, but it still happens every now and again. Um, I think have... the last time when it majorly hit, like hit riot levels, my camera fucking does the thing again. Um, <laughs> is the Macho Screwjob actually? Yeah. Uh, in the 
late 80s, early 90s, uh, the wrestler Bret Hart was wrestling Shawn Michaels, right? It was a Shawn yeah. Michaels Bret Hart match. And Bret Hart was leaving WWF, who what was the company before WWE, because they lost the lawsuit and had to change their name. So World Wildlife Fund. Ooh, yeah, ooh. they lost they lost the lawsuit. Um but they he was leaving the company and he's like, I'm gonna go out on my back, I'm gonna let Sean pin me. You know, titles gonna switch hands, whatever. And I'm going to leave because this is that's what you did when you were leaving. You'd put the new guy over and be like, he beat me. I'm leaving. You know, he's the new hotness. And uh, Vince McMahon didn't think that Brett would go through with it. So they were setting up something for the finish. And I think it was what was it? It was either a fast count or they made it seem like Brett tapped out. The the finish uh, is the referee. Uh, so to put in to bring insult to injury, um, they Shawn Michaels used Bret Hart's fin- own finisher on Bret Hart to like make him submit, and and the referee as soon as he was in the hole, the referee like waited a second and then counted Wrong it like he, like he had tapped out, even though he did not. So um, Bret all fans are pissed. All the fans are pissed. Brett's pissed. Vince McMahon comes down to the ring, gets spit on by Bret Hart as he's leaving. And it's like the first indication, like maybe something's going on here. So Um, you see you see Hunter Hearst, uh, Triple H, like ushering Shawn Michaels out. And the one thing you see like on the way is you see a fan actually shove Shawn Michaels. (laughs) You can see it on the feed where he like gets forward and like shoves him. Um, Shawn Michaels is not like big guy he's like it's still a bold move to he's still for sure a civilian can shove <laughs> a professional wrestler like they were pissed bro yeah uh, and um uh, so yeah that one of the all other happened things you can, one of the other things you can see um in the thing is bret hart very visibly goes like this like he's like my uh like miming out wcw which was the company uh, he was on, leaving for on on live television, or well, it was a pay per view. Even worse. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you still get, you a lot of people nowadays know that wrestling is scripted because of the internet. Um, uh, and it was I think in the early two thousands what really solidified like oh this is fake is there was the storyline in WWF where Vince McMahon's limousine blew up to kill him. So he could stay off of TV. He didn't want to be on TV anymore. He was like the authority figure with like the Stone Cold feud and all that. He's and, the guy uh, that like he he has like GIF memes of him, right? Yes, he's, he's like, the guy doing like, the charge of it, like doing the with, chair with like the, the ill fitted like tan. Yes, the ill fitted suit. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I just want to make sure I'm on the right page. <laughs> yeah, you he, are. During the late '90s and early 2000s, he had a really long running feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin, but he wanted to get off of TV for the other because. WCW, their rival company in the 90s, folded and they bought the company and the wrestlers, or contracts. And uh, he was like, alright, I'm going to stay off TV, let's get some of these new guys on. So they did an angle where he walked to his limo and then like the camera cuts to just the limo and then the limo blows up. So it's like, oh, Vince McMahon's dead. <laughs> I think it was the week after that is the Chris Benoit murders. Yeah, I was gonna killed, ask if it was okay to talk about that. Where he, 
very killed his, he killed his family and Vince McMahon has to come out on TV to talk about it. So I think that was like the final like nail of that for WWF wrestling was known to be dumb in WCW because of a man named Vince Russo. And the less I talk about him, the better. Uh, cool. Let's pretend he doesn't exist. That just, man just wrote that, that man wrote. Promoter. He wrote wrestling like a soap opera. Like my man. Think of, think of it like uh, I've said this about uh, just to bring it back into like the gaming circles. To, yeah. it's, he's like Hideo Kojima. My opinion of Hideo Kojima is the man needs someone next to him to be like, that idea no. is stupid. <laughs> no. He needs a no guy. He needs a no he, guy. Vince uh, McMahon destroyed wrestling's credibility when he had David Arquette win the world title. Like, that wasn't. Wait, David was Arquette w- is in David like, Arquette, the guy from Scream? That was WCW yeah. because they were promoting the movie Ready to Rumble. So they put cool. the world title on him. <laughs> and that pretty much killed WCW. Yep. And uh, so he comes out and he talks about it and it's like, OK, I wasn't dead. That was just a story. And it's like, OK, so this is all scripted. You know, yep. we understand that now. And it's less protected now. Like people don't deny it like anymore. But like in the 80s, like they beat the shit out of you if you ask them that in public, like just oh, to geez. stay in character, just to stay in character. Like it's like it's like being at Disney World, but yeah, always. All the all of them are Aladdin, and they're all allowed to kill you. <laughs> it it's also like it was also like if you if you played like the rich guy gimmick, uh, you you would go and like just throw sacks of bills somewhere, like here's five hundred dollars, just throw it throw it up somewhere. And Ted and in the eighties, Ted DiBiase did that the best because he yep. he's like I'm gonna pay this kid to shoot this basket, and if he gets it, he gets this like five hundred dollars, and the kid goes to shoot, and Ted just like knocks it out of the air away from him. Like just being a complete dick about it, but uh, but yeah, it's it's all scripted. And going back to the thing, it's like, does it have like legitimate heat, or is it just like, hey, go out there and wrestle and all that? Uh, some matches are just thrown together to start a feud, where it's like they'll just have like, hey, for the first time, we'll have this guy and this guy wrestle each other, but then something will happen and like the rivalry will begin. And a lot of times, uh that buildup is what leads up to, you know, the next match where it's like, these guys are acting like they hate each other or they're playing their parts in like a long storyline and all this other stuff. So it's like, there is a plot to wrestling. It's just independent of the overall company and more specific for like groups of wrestlers. I think you can also tell, uh, cause there are times when there's two people who legitimately hate each other. Uh, oh, yeah. that get into like a feud. Uh, it's called a feud when they're like, uh, going up against each other for a prolonged period of mm-hmm. time. Um, and you can tell when they're feuding when they have legitimately like hate each other, but they're like, well, this is business. We'll make it work. Um, in the two thousands, God, it was so long ago at this point. Um, Matt Hardy and Edge were feuding. Oh yeah, that's uh, a great story. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because what happened is, um. Edge was dating Matt Hardy's ex-girlfriend. Because um, they all worked together. And, and they still all they still all three worked together, so they had to yeah. Don't fuck don't your coworkers, sh- people. Don't shit where you eat. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um that storyline went into like Matt Hardy act that, that culminated in Matt Hardy leaving the company because <laughs> because of it. 
Yeah, and uh, you can kind of get a sense of that actual real-world animosity between wrestlers over the weekend when uh, Cody Rhodes came back to face Seth Rollins. I'm watching that match, and I'm like, Seth Rollins is legitimately kicking Cody in the head. Like, with those boots. Because when he ends the match, you're seeing his forehead welt up. And I'm like, yep. Seth Rollins like, is going into business for himself, and is just, like, beating the <laughs> shit out of this guy because this guy started a rival promotion. Like... That... That that observation kind of leads into my next question, along with bringing up Chris Benoit, because like that was another like yeah. lead into the mainstream media of like, and then you had mentioned there was another wrestler that you said was like obviously taking like steroids or like performance enhancing substances. Yeah. Is that is there like a culture within wrestling where like they don't prioritize the safety of the performers? Because like they, I remember what. With Chris Benoit, originally everyone was saying it was like he roid raged, and then that's what caused the incident. But later research showed uh, he had the brain of like a the yeah. chronic uh, he had, traumatic he was, encephalitis. He was thirty something, like late thirties. He had the brain of a seven year old Alzheimer patient from all the concussions. Yeah. Um, in the eighties, in from like the seventies to the nineties, there was like no checks. Like there was a whole lawsuit with Vince, like having to go to like the US courts about like steroid use and all that. And his wrestlers were like, no, he doesn't make us take it and all this other stuff. But uh, since the Benoit thing, they've cut back on a lot of the dangerous practices. Like they don't let people uh, do a lot of like head based stuff anymore. Uh, they've give everybody like periodic drug tests, unless you're one of their favorite guys and they don't. <laughs> and uh, they do keep track of like, if you're a concussed or not, like uh, Daniel Bryan uh, had either a large head injury or something that he had to retire from it because they weren't going to let him wrestle because of the condition. And he came back and like they're being really safe, like protecting him, because the thing about wrestling is that because it is theater, you're supposed to take care of the other guy, the other guy's supposed to take care of you. It's like people are supposed to protect each other. You're supposed to deliver the moves in a believable way, but not actually try to like hurt somebody, which is why this thing over the weekend, I was like, man, there's going to be something said backstage because Seth is legitimately like kicking this guy in the head. So I bet you and, he, uh, he started that match with a gash because the idiot like whapped his head on the on the sign. Did you like I mean, you can hear him during the match. He's like shit talking. him. He's like, welcome to the big leagues, Cody. Like he's just shit talking him about it. Like. I, I think I'm choosing to perceive that until something comes out as, like, a work shoot. It's yeah. like, yes, Vince sent him to, like, you know, it's kind of like a hazing, right? You left for six years, you're back, we're just going to, like, you know, break you in a little bit, but you're not, I don't, nobody hates you, and obviously you were over as shit, so we're, yeah. we can't, like, actively punish you for that. I also think Cody's contract is, like, like airtight that he can get away with whatever he wants on this return. Yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, so it's protecting, you know, the other person and accidents do happen. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a human body. It like it can happened. only, it can only do so much like uh, over the weekend, uh, Rick Boogs, he's a larger dude, muscular guy, big dude. He tried like to, muscular, uh, like muscular Eddie, uh, uh, Freddie Mercury. Okay. He's a muscular Freddie Mercury. Um, but he had, uh, one guy on his shoulders and the other guy jumped on top. And this guy's strong enough to pick up these two small Samoan guys. 
but he's like going for the lift and you can tell like his knee like buckles and i mean he can't do the rest of the match like he did something to his knee during that like lift so i mean it's not their fault it's just like accidents happen people have slipped off people have been trying to like get to the top turnbuckle and they've like slipped off because those ropes like are just sweaty from people hitting them and stuff like that so got tension cable wrapped unless you're then unless you're goldberg who has probably retired like three legends right now because he's so unsafe in the ring <laughs> so, i mean he nearly he killed the undertaker like, that man did not have enough training he did not does they that like, is is there a sentiment amongst fans where they get upset when um performers like like you saying the one guy was like intentionally kicking the other guy in the head like is that something where fans will be really upset by it or they're like yeah bloodshed it depends on what side of, of the it, yet. it depends on what side of the internet wrestling community you're on <laughs> like, yeah the whole thing's accessible but <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a uh, there right now the two there's like three or four big wrestling companies right now there's wwe there's aew uh tna and new japan which is japan's wrestling company and then there are like smaller ones here and there that have some importance but those are like the four major promotions right now and you'll have fanboys saying like you know aew can't do any wrong wwe can't do any wrong and all this other stuff and it's like it's definitely tribal mentality at times. It's, so, it's dumb. But the wrestling community also doesn't forget, like, if you're somebody who is unsafe, like, they'll remember that. And it'll, like, mm-hmm. get on message boards and Twitter every time they're there. I mean, the companies will hire people that have had allegations, and, like, the fans will keep calling them out against that, too. Like, it's a very vocal... Austin Aries. Yeah, Austin Aries. I mean, Gable Stevenson is in WWE yeah. right now, and the only reason he didn't wasn't found guilty in Minnesota for rape allegations is because technically there was a loophole. So, of course and like, they made a whole big deal about showing him off at WrestleMania, which is like, bad optics if you ask me. So, yes, it is. But like, that's... Man gets and, away with thing. News yeah, and, I mean, and people are like, well, <clears> AEW... <throat> AEW hired Jay Lethal, who had the same kind of thing. He had allegations, but they weren't proven, but he still had allegations. And to a degree, the man's lost every match he's been on TV. So yeah. it's kind of like a hazing to a degree. But I mean, he's still employed. So, but AEW also, like the moment Jimmy Havoc had his allegation, that guy was gone. Like they were like, we're not even going to waste our fucking time waiting for any kind of like conclusion to this. Get out. <laughs> like, so it makes no sense that it's A-W- like, we're going to bring this AEW's guy AEW is generally better at it, better about oh, yeah. it, to, like getting, getting out shitty people. Oh yeah. The moment, like everything with Jimmy Havoc and Bia Priestley came out, those two were gone. Like, they were just like, get the fuck out of this company. So uh, I want to know. <laughs> just general, like people being shit. Cool. But yep. like the um, moment they the moment they found out, they were just like, "Get out! Contract's done!" Like, <laughs> yeah, and I think that works better when you're a private company. Uh, the difference is, it, WWE is a publicly shared company, uh, so they have like a board corporations, a corporation, so they have a board of directors and stuff like that. Uh, AEW is owned by one guy, so he makes the calls on everything, and there's no he has, like public... he has an executive board. 
And that's there's it. no yeah, there's no public uh stocks in it, so it's not what the shareholders want. It's like what do we need to do to make this better? So he has a lot more freedom. I mean, you try to release somebody from a WWE contract, it's like, all right, we need to get legal involved, you know, like all this other stuff. That hasn't stopped them. It hasn't. They've released what, a hundred and twenty something stars over the last year? So budget cuts man it's budget cuts it's budget cuts our record year of profits budget budget, budget cuts, cuts. <laughs> yeah just like I every guess, other corporation out there yeah i guess my next question and like i don't really know how to word it other than just kind of like being blunt sure. um what you you two specifically were talking a lot about someone named ria ripley who's like yes. a girl wrestler Yes. As someone who is not at all familiar with women's wrestling, and the only things I've heard about women's wrestling tend to be like they're overly sexualized, the way that their costumes are done is to kind of just like overly sexualize them. The wrestling is less about like how it looks with the guys. It's more like cat fight type things. Like, do you like how true were those statements? Back in the nineties <laughs> years ago. Know. 90s, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> there was brawn panty matches. Brawn panty it's, matches. It's, there was yeah. mud fights. Like it was Vince. It's McMahon. exactly what it sounds like. It was. See, that's yeah. That's what I remember. It was Vince being, McMahon like, being his like party animal like decade. Um, nowadays they're treated with a lot more uh, respect. How much respect still depends on the company. Uh. WWE kind of treats your general women's matches as kind of like a filler match, and they don't get a lot of time to really do much. Title matches usually get a little bit longer time to do what they need to do. I mean, AEW, they'll let their women do whatever. Like they're like, hey, go out here, you guys have a you guys have a half hour time limit. Make the most of it. They fight each other for 30 minutes? If they can. Yeah, it's a that's too Eight. long. My attention span is too short. The original rules of wrestling was that every match had a time limit. It was 30 minutes for a match or an hour for a championship match. Most companies don't do that anymore, but AEW is going back to like real old school like style wrestling where it's mostly wrestling. It's not a lot of celebrities or a lot of like crazy presentation. It's just good old fashioned wrestling. And uh They'll get all the matches have a 30 minute time limit unless it's, you know, a, a certain finish needs to happen. Like, you know, up somebody comes out, interferes, match ends in a disqualification, sets up a new storyline kind of stuff. So there women, what wrestlers nowadays, there's still a little bit of ways to go to make them at least equal to the men in certain promotions, like more match. I think it's like even AEW right now is like. Wednesday and Friday have like one match like one or two women's matches per night so it's like that's kind of rough especially when you have a huge roster of like talented people but um there's still a long ways to go but then you have promotions like stardom in Japan who is only women it's like it's only women's wrestling and those Japanese girls are brutal with each other (laughs) like the fuck out of each other American Female wrestlers don't have shit on Japanese female wrestlers and the shit they're willing to do to their bodies. <laughs> like, 
they beat the shit out of each other. I was talking earlier about like a hazing period uh, that that uh, Cody is going through in this moment because he yeah. start he st- literally started the rival company and is like, all right, I've been here for six years, I'm out. Um, and uh, but in, in the way it works in Japan, you start as what's called a young lion, um, and you like. You're just like one of the one of the boys in on the like under under the ring or whatever. Like you're just getting them getting them towels after matches, like spraying them down or whatever, attending to their needs. Um, and every now and again, they'll just like throw like six of you around just to like cause to like throw uh make a point in in a match. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's a big difference. Japan compared to oh, so America is mostly theater. Your strikes are, they still hit, but there's like control behind them. It's like everything. Um, if you were to watch like a wrestling video of like people doing kicks, like there's still a hit, but it's not solid. And most of like the impact sound is from somebody slapping their thigh. Like there's enough sleight of hand to make like the sound effects for stuff that mm-hmm. makes things seem harder. Uh, Japan has a style where they just actually hit the shit out of each other. So. <laughs> Like some of the heavier stuff is still like protected and like not so physical, but like the chops to the chest, like the kicks to the chest, like that is legitimate like shit that they're taking. So if you take your hand and you go like this and the tip of your the tip of your finger hits you right on the chest. Just like as hard as they can do it, this wham. Wham. You've yeah, seen it like, hurts. you'll see videos of like people's like chest like blistering red from like just chops. <sighs> stuff it sounds so terrible ah i'll get into that for at least for me um i really enjoy uh both the athleticism of of like the wrestlers because you still need to be like athletic to be able to do the things yeah i can't i can't go into a wrestling ring even though i kind of look like eddie kingston i can't go into a wrestling ring and do so if these people have are trained like these people do gymnastics or hit the gym or anything like you'll have the people that look like normal normal joes but like they can take pain because that's like their superpower <laughs> so. there there is a there's a guy who is um uh he used to be a circus soleil performer and he's for a while he was a 24 7 champion of wwe which just means he could have to defend his title whenever that's the storyline with the title but like that man like the way he contorts himself and flips around is wild. Yeah. I think that was one of the more entertaining things about Raw for a while is just watching, oh, let's see what Reggie's gonna get into now. Yeah. But now you have but like it has you have to be like physically fit in a way to do it. Not just like for the athleticism or like the strength to like lift up these other uh, as what culture puts it, uh, big sweaty men. <laughs> but like, then you have the matches where it's like, okay, I have to, you know, go through this table. And it's, and the thing is, it's like, those tables are, those tables are like lighter material tables, so they're easier to go through. But at the same time, they're designed like, to go through. They're designed to be gone through, but then at the same time, you're like, you're still having to like put that force like through it. And that forces you. So. <laughs> So yeah, like, be, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you probably get numb to it after a few years or you're like, all right, it's another table. Sure. <laughs> I know what to expect. But then you have like yeah. a 
like the ladder mention, matches. Like I can't not to mention imagine those. The canvas the canvas itself is like um it's like canvas and then underneath it is like uh I think I believe it's like floor like floorboard not floorboards, but like boards. And underneath that is a microphone, so it like makes everything sound louder. Oh, you mean like the ground in the yeah. in the the wrestling in the ring. ring. In the yeah. ring, yeah. Yeah. It's like but... it's like canvas and then there's a pad under that and then there's uh there's uh wood, but it still hurts when you fall on your back. I think it's also like kind of like suspended too, so it's like you can hit it and there's like, there's like a little bounce. So yeah. you're not just like I'm not just like landing on plywood. I'm like landing on plywood with like a little bit of sink to it. So I just, it's like I just, landing on a very uncomfortable mattress. Yeah. I guess I just don't have the stomach for that type of thing cuz like and I know that like MMA is completely different than wrestling. Oh, yeah, MMA like, is like totally legit. Those guys come out like bloodied and it's awful. And it's like how can you like for someone like me, I cannot derive enjoyment when I can tell somebody else is like even if they're faking being hurt, like I'm like that has to still hurt you in some yeah I mean, you're... fashion. And I don't know if I'm just like too much of a wuss or a little little bitch baby, but I'm just like yeah, it is a dangerous profession. I mean, the right wrestlers will keep their opponents safe 100 percent of the time, but like accidents mm-hmm. still happen and like moves can go wrong and stuff. And it's like if it's not going to cause an injury, it's definitely going to like knock the wind out of you for a little bit. And the thing about wrestling is that most of the time, bleeding the hard way is accidental. It's like you've taken a bump on something weird. You know, you've hit the ladder wrong. You've hit the steps wrong. Like something like that is like a cut happens. But most of the time when there's like a forehead cut, that's something that they do to themselves. Like there's enough sleight of hand, like the ref will give a little, (laughs) the ref will give a little blade. And just out of view, they'll like go like this, like they're holding themselves in pain, and they'll make a little nick. What in the Aaron Yeager is that shit? <laughs> it's exactly that. It's what make in it, the Aaron it's, Yeager? It's, so it's lost its it's lost its impact over the last like two decades because it just always happens. Like somebody always finds a way to make themselves bleed in a match. But like, My... imagine in the eighties, you believe this is all real. You believe your hometown hero is going up this villain. And imagine just the, like, hype you get when, like, your hero's, like, you know, he's bloody, but he's still fighting back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that was the original intent of it. Now, it's a like, very vaudeville show. Yeah, and it's now it's just... Emotional manipulation. <laughs> and now people are like, oh, I got hit in the face with a water bottle, my whole face is bleeding. It's like... <laughs> my headcanon now is that they don't actually cut themselves, because, like, they would, like... Some of that it would eventually scar, and not everyone's walking and it around does. with gnarly oh, oh, face you'll, scars if you look all the at time. Like, if you look at 80s like wrestlers, like their foreheads are fucked up. Oh, I'm sure in the 80s they're very <laughs> fucked. I think today, like, I'll never forget it. This is, uh, I was, I had, like most of us did in middle school, loved Pirates of the Caribbean. And uh-huh. during the director's commentary, um, Kira Knightley was talking about how they did the scene where she, like, they slice her palm open. And it was just some, like, they put some oil on her hand with, like, a reagent on the knife, and they just glided it through, and it made it look like blood. Yeah. And my headcanon now is that people don't actually start bleeding in the WWE when they, like, cut their forehead. They just have that, like, chemical reaction thing, so it looks like they're bleeding, but they're you not know, actually hurt. The thing <laughs> about costs wrestlers- too much money for them to do. The <laughs> thing about wrestlers, though, is, like, I think they understand that it comes with the job that you have to subject yourself to pain once in a while. 
which is why it's like, hey, during this ladder match, I'm going to, you know, throw you onto a ladder that's laid across the ring and the barricade, so it's a flat surface for you to land on. And then you have all the hardcore wrestlers who are like, this is a convenient bag of thumbtacks. So let's pour it out in let's pour it out in the ring and then slam somebody down on it. I wonder if any like hi, my name's Haley, I have seven yes. degrees. Um I'm wondering if anyone has ever done a, an exam on like professional wrestlers to see if they're like masochists or something the brothers like yes we they love have. Being you have mean. almost you have the wrestlers that live for death ma- death matches which aren't actually killing the opponent it'd be way more entertaining for some reason if it was <laughs> so, no it would not <laughs> but it's like hey look i'm going to throw you into this barbed wire i'm going to smash you with a uh fluorescent light bulb across the head like <laughs> I'm gonna throw you off oh, of wait, this wait, cage. Wait, 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 back up, back up, back up, back up. A fluorescent <laughs> yep. bulb, like you know fluorescent light, the shop like lights, toxic. poisonous. Yeah, yes. <laughs> They're y'all, not smart, y'all. I feel There's... like I'm gonna have to go play Animal Crossing when we finish recording this, just so I can feel but safe like, and cozy. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that, that is a like small like percentage of the wrestling industry is like promote promotions and wrestlers that like focus entirely on that um a lot of people a lot of promotions will have like one every now and then it's like okay this feud's gotten so heated you know normal matches won't do it we're going to lock them both into this cage with all these weapons to you know go against each other with it's like usually like the big payoff matches that like the animosity is just at its point because also companies use this as a way it's Story like oh, payoff. yeah it's like I oh know, they've but... lost it's like they've lost and they took so much in like so much beating during this that they're off tv for a few weeks and they get some like vacation time before they come back to do something i have else. to keep reminding myself that it's like not real <laughs> yeah because <laughs> i'm listening to this like I'm I said, like, oh my god this is awful no, how could i no but like i it? said and i'm like it's they <laughs> it's take an illusion they, they have to take these hits like you can't falsely break a light bulb over somebody without hitting them like it could be a prop light bulb it could be a prop <laughs> even even like the chair glass. shots where they where they whack someone with a chair shot you could see them at the very last minute go like this so yeah, they're just, not just whacking them in the skull unless you're so the, but unless you're the still... rock and mankind the rock jeez oh, that was that was so actually hard a, to watch there like you think of the rock now and you're like oh man dwayne johnson is such a sweet guy and then you remember, like, 15 yeah. years ago, he handcuffed Mick Foley's hands behind his back and hit him in the head with a steel chair 17 times. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that ended Foley's career. Because <laughs> I think well, one of those Foley's chair shots... Built except you but, also, Foley, but also, yeah, Foley's built different, so... We were talking about peop- uh, wrestlers who can, like, take punishment. Mick Foley is, was that wrestler who could just, like get the shit kick out of him for 30 like, years of his the career. infamous the infamous video is like him and undertaker are on top of the cage and the the fat guy because he's he's a larger dude gets thrown off the cage onto the announce table but it's like a 20 foot drop and i'm pretty sure like during the interview uh undertaker was hesitating and Foley's like just throw me <laughs> like yeah that that's exactly how it went he's like throw me throw me and then you just see I... <laughs> I no. I and that was I a, feel that was like... the first time that happened in that match. That happened That's twice. He got back Another... up and then happened again. 
<laughs> Another fun experiment I think that could be done, and you'd have to go through a very rigorous like internal review board <laughs> review on this, is I would love to see what people's like body chemistry is as the, like how they react to seeing wrestling. Because for me, I can feel my cortisol just like... Like, I'm stressed. This kind of thing is giving me the icky yuckies. But uh -huh. I feel like it's similar to with people who enjoy horror. Like, they have probably respond to it with, like, um, adrenaline or, like, dopamine or something. Where I'm just like, this feels like the worst kind of time to be I don't, I don't think it's hitting that extreme for me. Because I'm, I'm with you on horror movies where it hits, it hits my cortisol and I'm like, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. Um, but it's... I don't, I don't view it in terms of, like, these guys are trying to kill each other. And, like, like I would in a horror movie. I view it as these two people don't like each other and they're settling their differences in this, they call it the squared circle. The only time and I, where I it, watch it in the lens of like a theater, a theater performance. The only time where it feels bad though, is when the story, the story's weak or just doesn't make sense. Like, because that's the thing, like you're still having people write the programs between these wrestlers. Maybe not like entirely detailed like okay this week we're going to do this and the next week we're going to do this it's like all right what does the audience respond to let's adjust you know going forward but then you have wwe who has a like team of creative writers and it's like the best thing that they could do is like we're gonna get logan paul involved i saw that on twitter <laughs> and i meant to ask you too what you thought of that so out of, the two, out of the two celebrity wrestling matches I hated the Logan Paul one because they disrespected Eddie Guerrero. Logan Paul did his three suplexes and then a frog splash from the top rope in Texas, where Eddie Guerrero is from. And um, you could hear the crowd booing him to oblivion. But then we got Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn in like a comedy match. And that was hilarious. <laughs> so. It was like some Tommy Jerry shit. Eddie Guerrero has passed. I yes. see yes. the animosity. Yes. So that ties back also to the Chris Benoit story because him and Chris Benoit were best friends. And Eddie, I think, died a year before Chris did. Uh, two years two before. Two years. He, uh, yeah, he was just found in a hotel room, uh, cardiac arrest. Substance cause, I mean, abuse, including alcohol and yeah, painkillers. He, yep. he had a lot of demons. And then, like, two yeah. years after Chris Benoit, like, probably couldn't take his death and also, like, his brain, you know, causing him all these issues. I think it was just Eddie's death was probably the last thing he could handle. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, but, like, Logan Paul did that man's moves and the stadium hated it. <laughs> but I, I, like, speaking as somebody who, like I said, enjoys the athleticism and performative nature of wrestling i i and as somebody who despises logan paul he still wrestled the best he, like he, he can, had the match of the night it, of that night and it made me he, so upset i hate it because he can work like he yes. can work as a wrestler because the thing it. about wrestling is like it takes years to learn and this guy had like weeks of training but like he moved and his timing was so perfect and i hate it because it just means that he's good at wrestling and his brother's good at boxing and I don't want them to be good at anything. <laughs> like... to, to get this sort of icky Logan Paul taste out of our mouths, yep. um, and as I'm sure we're getting low on time, I would like to pose to each of you, uh, what is your favorite storyline that you've had in wrestling? If you had to pick one storyline, what's been your favorite? So I've watched wrestling for 
almost three decades now. Um, Same. I watched WCW back in the early 90s, kind of got out of wrestling for a bit, came back mid-2000s for WWE, got out again, and then came back with AEW and just kind of been following wrestling since then. Um, My favorite story, all my favorite stories have been like long-term stories. Stuff that has gone on for like six months, a year. Uh, in WCW, it was Sting against the NWO, which was the villain Hulk Hogan version and like his goons. And it was like the one man against the corrupt like wrestling promotion. And he also had, he was also he was also like decked out in like crow style, like makeup and a trench coat. He was like the original like wrestling, like antihero. Um, Same was Sting. Yeah. yeah, you'll probably recognize the face. He's another one of those names that kind of stick out. He's also. Oh, a yeah, I've wrestler. seen this person yeah. before. Yeah. And this man is 63 years old and he is jumping off of balconies onto tables with people and i'm like he is just he's still going <laughs> i would love to know what his life insurance premiums are would love to know it <laughs> i remember um, a story about uh you can talk about your storyline here in a sec i remember there being a story about something similar where uh vince mcmahon was like telling Gronkow like gronkowski about like falling off of a of a pl platform for wrestlemania and like vince is like here i'll do it and he jumps off and he's like in his 80s Vince McMahon is taking bumps in his 70s and 80s that would kill me. <laughs> like, uh, but also, like, I think it just runs in the family because anytime there's something tall, I'm surprised we didn't see Shane McMahon jump off of the star at WrestleMania this year because <laughs> I felt like he would have, and that's like a 60 foot drop. So, uh -huh. um, but yeah, that was my favorite one growing up was back uh, in that age. In recent years, it's definitely been. Uh, everything with AEW, mostly everything with the uh, heel character MJF. This man lives like it's the 80s. Like, he insults the audience. He it does interviews like he is the wrestler. Like, he is living the role because I'm pretty sure he is just that much of an asshole. <laughs> but, uh... He just has that asshole energy. They... It built a story around him and CM Punk, who's another probably like known wrestler for a normal audience, where it's like, hey, I grew up watching you back when you were wrestling over here. You know, you're my hero, but, you know, you don't respect me now and all this other stuff. And like they had like a organic like thing to build it off of because CM Punk had a picture of him in like teenage MJF, like at a signing. So it's like there was a very real world feel to it. Where it's like, I respected you, and you know, you don't respect me, and like all this other stuff, and accumulated into like a great match between them. Where somebody who MJF has been abusing and like just being an asshole to came out and helped CM Punk win, and now starting a whole new storyline that's organically building off of it. So, I think those sorts of like the good long term stories that keep having natural courses to build off of. But yeah, what that's about definitely. You, Decca? Um, as far as modern, I think I I would agree about uh, MJF and CM Punk. That was my that's kind of one of my favorite. He uh, came out to AFI. Views. Yeah, that. Yeah, it, he came out uh, to so his CM indie Punk, music. Was, yeah, when he worked the independents, he used to work in a promotion called Ring of Honor, and that was his uh, his his theme song was uh, Miseria Cantera from AFI. 
nothing from nowhere. I'm not... Anyway, um, he, so going he back, came out going to back, that. Yeah, going back to that real quick, MJF came out to Punk's current theme song, which is called A Personality. So he came out, like, crowd got was like, oh, it's CM Punk. And then, like, MJF comes out looking like the smug asshole that he is. And then, like, the lights go dim, and the first notes of AFI hit, and the crowd goes fucking nuts. <laughs> like, it's so great. It's such an organically good feeling moment. I think, uh, growing up, uh, one of my favorite feuds, uh, was, um, I think it was the first time Shawn Michaels won the WWE title, because I think he won it against Psycho Sid. Um, and he yeah because it was the royal rumble and he won that in my home in his hometown in my hometown where i live yeah um because he's built from san antonio so was that a long time i liked Shawn michaels was that the rumble no because he had a match at the rumble that wasn't the rumble where he came in at number one and won the Uh, whole thing that was the year after that i think yeah um so uh yeah the storyline is like psycho sid's this big like six foot Jack, dude. Uh, Shawn Michaels is significantly smaller. Um, and, you know, the storyline says Psycho Sid just flapping him around for a little bit. And then Shawn Michaels just has the miraculous comeback. And the boyhood dream has come true for Shawn Michaels. And it was in, it was in his hometown. It was beautiful. He had, his trainer, like, helped him get to the ring. Um, his the per, Jose Lothario, who, like, was his trainer uh, as he was getting, coming up in the, in the world. Um, it was it was very it was very nice. Um, uh, I I also like storylines where um, there's there's like it leans into like their animosities like in re- outside of outside of work, but it doesn't like cross the line of like I'm just gonna go into business for myself and like tag yeah. you for twenty minutes. The, the I think the prime example of that I was thinking about it is the Stone Cold and Vince McMahon storyline of the 90s, because who doesn't want to beat the shit out of their boss? Yeah. And Stone it's, Cold it's was doing it on TV. It's a very relatable storyline. He was doing it on TV for four years. <laughs> like, so I think... Vince, the guy who like owns it, is also a wrestler? Uh, you cannot spell Vince McMahon without ego. So... <laughs> Uh, nepotism runs in the McMahon family. It's like it's their company, so they get whenever a storyline ben- they think a storyline benefits from them, they'll throw themselves into it. Him, his son, his daughter, son-in-law, just nepotism. <laughs> nepotism. They just, they just, yeah. And that man, like we said earlier, that man is like in his seventies and eighties, and he's still seventy-six. He, he fucked up a stunner over the weekend. <laughs> the guy, that was, was maybe the worst stunner I've ever seen in my life. Vince, I'm like, God, Vince, just you're losing your mind. Like you're probably going senile, and probably not from concussions. Like <laughs> here's the here's the thing. Everyone always like the the internet wrestling community has these places, uh, these news sources called the dirt sheets, where you know people have try to make connections based on the things they've seen and the things they think they see between the lines. Yeah. Um, and they'll come up with these clickbaity articles about shit. And it's always like Vince McMahon's this crazy old man. I don't think he's a crazy old man. You don't, you don't become, you don't, I'll put it this way. You don't stay rich. If you're a crazy old man, 
you have to like have you have a no guy somewhere, even if it's not someone who's publicly available. I you have uh, the no guy to be like reel it in. I think Vince has two. I think it's Bruce Pritchard and Nick Khan. Yeah, I think because I think even now like triple so tri- wrestler Triple H for the longest time has worked for Vince McMahon. He married his daughter. Like he has been a company guy for 25 years now. And everybody's like, when Vince retires, you know, Triple H is going to be given the company to run it. He's a wrestler. He knows how to do like this kind of business. And it's leaning now that he's not going to get the company. This other guy is going to get the company. (laughs) And they're like going through and everything Triple H has worked on. They've like taken control over and are like reshaping. And I'm like, this man is getting nothing for his loyalty at the end. To, to be fair, the, the reason they there's pivoting NXT is not necessary, not just because uh, uh, fuck you Triple H. It's because they couldn't the the, the wells run dry because AEW exists. So that's where all the yeah. indie people are going to go. They're not going to come to WWE. They're going to go to AEW. Yeah. So they they have to they had to rebrand. Yeah, and their whole thing now is like, we're going to hire people that, you know, don't have previous wrestling history. We're going to train them our way. We're going to build them from the ground up. It's not, we don't want any more like indie guys who don't want to change up their styles because the thing at the end of the day is WWE is a PG wrestling company. So they want to work safe. They want to be, have all their promos scripted, which is another thing. A companies let people just, they give them the mic and it's like, just, Talk how you would talk if you were hating this guy. And, you know, build up the feud a little bit. But people in WWE, they're given a script to read. And they have to memorize it and go out there and cut the promo and all that. And uh, so they want to mold people who are just like kind of looking to exist in wrestling. So it's definitely different since that's a PG company. And then you have AEW, that's TV 14, and they definitely seem like they're a more mature style of company. So the rebranding well, is like we're gonna build up our guys. So they just recently bought Ring of Honor. Yeah. AEW did buy Ring of Honor. Well I certainly learned a lot about wrestling today in today's episode of the podcast. Will yeah. I watch wrestling? Probably not. I'm too much of a widow baby. We still got like, like five minutes. People even get pretend hurt. Deco, what's your um, favorite? Uh, what's your favorite gimmick? What's your favorite gimmick match? Gimmick match? Jesus Christ! Like if it's not just like uh, a one-on-one pinfall, it's like is it the Royal Rumble? Is it Money in the Bank? Oh, uh, not gonna lie, I like the way that they did the Money in the Banks during the during the quarantine era, where it was it was less of like a wrestling match and more of like a like a cinematic thing. Right. I I loved those cinematic matches. Um, so that's the thing that's been popping up too. Uh, recently, because of the pandemic, um, they've been more creative with certain wrestling matches, and they've actually filmed them like movies. <laughs> so it's like people are fighting like across like a farm and like into like farm stuff and like in oh an abandoned warehouse. And it's all shot like a movie, which, like you're playing Tekken or something. Yeah, which is great. Um. But I loved money, those matches so much. But for Haley, the Money in the Bank is a pay-per-view that WWE runs. And the main focus is a six-man ladder match with a briefcase suspended above the ring. 
All In- right, you're gonna have to go back to six man ladder match. Yeah, because you have to climb a ladder to get this briefcase that's suspended above the ring. So a bunch of ladders are used in the match. That briefcase uh-huh. contains that briefcase contains a contract that at any point in the next year you can cash it in for a title shot. And this has led to moments where it's like a grueling title shot has just finished, a new champion has gotten the belt, and then the guy with the briefcase runs out, and it's their get out of jail free card for bad booking. Because <laughs> they, it's like it's this. Just work- like- I got the match. I'm gonna beat the shit out of you now. It's like, just all right. Flipped them it's over. like, all right. We we wrote this story into a corner. Who do we want to have the belt? All right. He's gonna win Money in the Bank, and then we're gonna have him claim the title after the other match is over. Mm-hmm. But it's doesn't a, that get, make people mad? I'd be oh, pissed. Oh no! It leads to some great moments, especially when it's at WrestleMania. Seth Rollins with the heist of the century. Yeah. Booking it down uh, the ramp when both opponents are knocked out cashing it in and then trying to pin one of them to win it it was it's, it was pretty cool it makes moments um my favorite match is war games i war games love is a good war one games so war so games you have is one a, ring uh-huh good is it three teams it's three it's three rings two teams two teams yeah two teams two, uh, two teams two rings three rings three rings three rings um in a cage it's one-on-one starts, and then every interval of time, either the the what the team that wins the randomize comes out, or one of the person from that team comes out, and it keeps going back and forth until all eight are in the ring. Normally eight, I think it's. Eight but or ten. It, it depends. On there's the like match. a there's like a chaotic like thirty minute match, where it's just a bunch of stunts and other stuff happening. This is giving me anxiety. Then <laughs> your name. The ro- it's my name. The Royal Rumble Everything is just anxiety. The Royal Rumble is my favorite like classic match. Mm-hmm. It's one of like the WWE's like big four pay-per-views. It's we have 30 30 wrestlers. They're going to come down every like 3 minutes just one at a time until they're all in the ring and then it's the last one in the ring. You have to throw your opponents over the top rope. Both feet have to hit the ground. That's a big important rule. <laughs> Both feet have to hit the ground. And, and it's last man standing. And they get the title opportunity at the next pay-per-view. WrestleMania. But it leads to so many like surprises, like legends come back. And then like there's usually like a big return at number 30 who's like favored to win it. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, is like wrestling is always just about moments. And are these 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 matches you're just talking about, like the the ladders and the Hunger Games? Are these like <laughs> are these like mixed? Is it just all boys, all girls? Do they both wrestle? They at have the same a time? they have different gender ones. Um, there's a women's battle, uh, women's Royal Rumble, a men's Royal Rumble, and okay. it was last year at NXT, right? They had the ladies, the women's war games. Yes, which was absurd. Like match of the year quality, they were nuts. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're very. The women in NXT are super talented, and it's a shame when they go to the WWE when they go into like the main roster and and then they and get buried in a. They become this can tossed yeah. to the side. They just get put into a division that doesn't get a lot of attention, so they don't get a lot of time to do stuff. Or they come out and they're just told to like lose every match to put somebody else over. So it's like I can't even show you what I can do. I I think this is the most informative 
piece of media I've consumed or helped create in terms of wrestling. I have sure. also read a piece of uh, Star Wars fan fiction that took place where all the characters were members of the WWE. Awesome. It was <laughs> fucking wild. Now you see. <laughs> and they're like, I don't know what's going on right now, but they had Kylo Ren as like the bad guy. And Speak. Ray's character was like the one who was supposed to like be the good person, but they like Speaking were in a relationship of... off screen and they're like, oh, You're right, God. Speaking of Crazy. media, speaking of media crossovers, that was a big thing in the '90s. I remember when RoboCop helped Sting win a title. I remember there was like Scooby Doo episodes about the WWE. Yeah, there was a movie. That's what it was. It was yeah, really bad. Like John Cena and whoever. <laughs> it was really but bad. I'm sorry. But it it is. Really I think that's what makes it also easier for a lot of these like '90s and 2000s wrestlers to convert over to Hollywood. They've been acting their whole career. Like <laughs> they still have to get the shit kicked out of them now. Yeah, like, it's yeah. just, you know, John Cena is killing it in Peacemaker and Suicide Squad, and The Rock is Hollywood's, like, biggest fucking star right now. Like, it seems like a rock movie comes out every month. Like, the man is, like, nonstop making movies. And, I mean, Hulk Hogan had his stuff, too, and we don't talk about those. <laughs> so. But yeah, so that's yeah. a crash course in wrestling. Uh, real quick before we go, uh, real quick before we go, Shark, what do you think about WrestleMania both nights? Okay, so night, I feel like they top loaded it with night number one. I don't think they felt people would stay for just a Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar match, so I think they loaded all the good matches onto the first night. Mm-hmm. Um. I really enjoyed the Cody and Seth match, but like I said, I feel like Seth kind of went into business for himself once in a while. Like Cody looked like shit coming out of that match. He or and, he still uh, had those he still had those scars from that one table match in AEW. Oh yeah, he still had the fucking burn marks because they yeah. did the stupid burning table spot. Yep. There are there are spots that <laughs> no, there are spots. There are spots that are dumb. Like, don't let yourself crash down on a flaming table. Don't ever be in that situation. <laughs> I think the t- I, I, the I think over. I think the tax are go- the thumbtacks are going too far in some matches. Because like when the ref like you've seen the refs like have to count and then they're like pulling a tack out of their hand because it's like shit, it's all over the place. I didn't see a referee Aubrey Edwards who had to do that match like was pulling tacks out of her hand later. And the, the guy had to do it during the. Uh, the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match, mm. which is another good example of storytelling, even though I think they got the timing off a little bit. Thunder Rosa yeah. lost at the big pay-per-view. And then the next week she had to win like a number one contenders match just so they could win. She could win the title in her hometown. And I'm like, you guys probably could have planned it a little bit better. <laughs> it's like Thunder Rosa is awesome from San Antonio. She's my new yeah. favorite San Antonio wrestler. And she's great. She's fantastic. Shawn Michaels took a took a dive. We're seeing a lot of my favorite thing is right now we're seeing a lot of uh diverse people holding titles right now. WWE, like most of their women's division titles is held by uh women of color now, which is rare. And Thunder Rosa, if this is the most telling thing, she's the first Latin American woman to ever hold a championship title in any promotion. Like it is in North America, like it is absurd how long it's yep. taken for that to happen. 
That's what's been going on since like the thirties. Yeah. And it's like, she's the first Latin American woman in the U S to win a gold title. You know how many people have come before her that like were talented like this. It's crazy. So we're starting to see like a slow change, but I think until it's new people running stuff, we're going to see a lot of the same stuff. I think only one white person is holding a title in AEW right now. I think it's just Adam Page. It's just Adam Page. Yeah. Scorpio Sky has the TV title. Jade has the TBS title. Uh, Who are the tag teams? Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. But they're tag teams. Luchasaurus is a... Half the titles... Half the titles in AEW are are held by people of color right now. So it's a great, great improvement. Mm Mm-hmm. There's still got a long way to go with wrestling, especially the wrestling internet community. So we can only hope. The wrestling, much like other fat, much like other uh, things that are special interests, fandoms just ruin everything. I was gonna say we can make fandom an entire episode. <laughs> yeah, I think we will. Yeah, uh, I, and I think my fa- my favorite part of uh, just to get to mine real quick. I think my favorite part of WrestleMania was the uh, Cody versus Seth match because I'm just pretending the Logan Paul thing just didn't happen. Just put it off to the side somewhere. I'm just angry because the Miz turning on Logan Paul means we're getting Logan Paul back for a match with him. And knowing WWE, they're going to try to probably make it a tag team with the Paul brothers. And I'm Uh... like, this is why I don't fuck with this company much anymore because of shit like this. The Knoxville Sami Zayn match though did make me laugh. The Knoxville Sami Zayn was inter- it was entertaining. It was lost, Haley. What? You like completely passed out for a I'm on a lot of fucking Benadryl right now. Yeah, we're You're done. Good. We're good though. We're done. I'm li- yep. I'm I'm doing my best. <laughs> You're doing your best, and we love you for it. Um, I heard Jake and Logan Paul, and my brain just automatically <laughs> shut off. No, Sorry. I don't blame you at all. I, I had to watch that shit. I forgot that we were recording for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Jake and Logan Paul, I'm just like, ugh. But yeah, we're we're, we're good. We can um, we can end it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so sorry. yeah, that's been that's that's been the without context podcast. If you watch this episode and you like it, uh, give us a like. Uh, Talk to us down in the comments, though. I can also say, yeah. "Fuck you!" I hate your wrestling choices. <laughs> yeah. I'll be, nice. I'll, I'll be that internet wrestling, wrestling guy. Choices are probably nice, even though I won't know who you're talking about. I'll be the internet wrestling um, guy and call people marks. <laughs> if if you if you like our stuff, I want to see the supercut of just Haley's visceral reactions to some of the things we say. Please uh, make that for us. I yeah. can do it. I'll make it myself at some point. Just me, I'll just going myself. And I mean, there's a lot like we could have talked about, but it's just. A lot of it just was predictable stuff, or just wasn't good because they've like crammed for time. Yep. Like um, you wait two days context. for. <laughs> yeah, no I get. I have a lot of feelings about <laughs> WWE. So. We'll do a plus one sometime where you get to, or a point one where you just Sharky talks about fair. wrestling, and I go, "Uh huh, yup, that sounds great." Right. Fair, fair, fair. All right. Uh, well, anyway. Uh, you can see in the descriptions below uh, all of our various social medias. Um, assuming the copy pasta is the right one this time. Yeah, it's gonna be the right one. Uh, okay. Um, and yeah, that's it. Uh, this has been without context podcast. Got.
uh, Fatty Lufani. I've got Sharky Hat. And I'm Decavolti. And we'll see you later. See you guys Don't next week. Don't fall on a flaming table or whatever. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>